Vascular care is a specialty not always accessible to rural communities, but diagnosis, treatment, and surgery for vascular disease is certainly needed by rural Americans. So, how do rural hospitals attract, support, and sustain visiting specialists like vascular surgeons to ensure specialty care is available in their communities? With relationship building, motivated providers, and a mutual commitment to care. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 124 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, I'm so excited today. And I say Me that too. I say that a lot, <laughs> but I really mean it today. Um, we are talking to one of our very own visiting specialists, um, a good friend of mine that I've been able to get to build a relationship with, and someone I did not know before he started here at Hillsdale, but someone whose spirit and just their whole demeanor mm-hmm. really bears witness with you that this is a good human being, a great provider, an awesome leader, um, and a great caregiver. And I've been blessed over the last several months to be able to build a friendship and a relationship with our next guest and someone who is performing surgeries, very important, life-saving surgeries, right here at Hillsdale Hospital. That's right. Our guest is someone who is very passionate about vascular care and making it available in rural communities like ours. That is why he is here, because of his passion to be in rural communities. Our guest today is Dr. Syed Alam, and he is a vascular surgeon. And he's also, he doesn't, he's a man on his own, okay? He doesn't work for a big system, which I think is what makes this relationship so beautiful. Mm -hmm. He actually is the owner of Vascular Health Center in Battle Creek, Michigan. And uh, he is all over the state. We're going to talk to him just a minute about his travels uh, and the work that he does to make sure that patients are well taken care of. But for your first time here in the studio, welcome to Rural Health Rising. Thank you very much. So to start, Dr. Alam, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work as a vascular surgeon? Well, that's a very long answer to a very simple question, but I'll, I'll, I'll start. That's and I'll, what we like. Let's go. We're here for it. And I'll try to make it concise. First thing, I am not the owner of Vascular Health Center. I'm a partner in oh, Vascular okay. Health oh, Center. Right. So just right. slight I'll clarification, that's right. not a big deal. Okay. But um, I am originally from Pakistan. I moved to the U.S. in 2002, and I did general surgery residency in Connecticut in one of the Yale programs, and I then went for a vascular fellowship to Memphis, Tennessee at UT. And right after that, I moved to Michigan. And I moved to Michigan because I have a lot of family in Chicago and I have a lot of family in Canada and I wanted to be in the middle. Oh, perfect. So Michigan ended up being the perfect place for us. Uh, We moved to Michigan in 2012 and we've been in the same house since 2013 in the Portage, Kalamazoo area. Now, uh, so that is my little background of where I live and what I do. Ever since I've came to Michigan, I've only done vascular surgery here. I've Mm -hmm. not done any general surgery in Michigan. I have been in private practice my entire career. Uh, Currently, my private practice is based out of Battle Creek. I cover a very large area, which includes populations of Sturgis, Coldwater, Hillsdale, uh, Jonesville, Battle Creek, Kalamazoo. 
Majority of my practice is in Battle Creek, Sturgis, and in Hillsdale, almost like a triangular area. Mm-hmm. Uh, our main office is in Battle Creek, but I have satellite offices in Sturgis and now in Hillsdale. Um, the whole idea is uh, vascular surgery is, in my opinion, one of the most important um, medical specialties that needs to be made available to our aging communities. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because majority, actually, if not all, right. vascular problems are related to age. Right. Oh, really? And, yes. And majority of our, at least the population in Michigan, as they age, they come back home, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And for majority of the people, home is in the rural communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is where access to vascular surgery is very difficult mm-hmm. because most people have to drive at the age of 80, 85 in bad weather Mm -hmm. for more than an hour to just go and see a specialist. Mm -hmm. And it may take them a month to get a consult with the specialist and then subsequently more time to get a procedure done if they need surgery, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, So the entire idea is instead of the patients traveling, the doctor should be traveling. You go, you set up your office in a rural area where you can find partners who have similar passion as yours, which is trying to get care to the people who actually are in really need of that care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then try to provide that care within that community. I think it works out best for everyone when you do it that way. That's right. Instead of having patients come to you, you go to the patients. You get to build relationships. You get to build lifelong relationships like... You just called me a visiting surgeon. I've been here for seven, eight months now. I don't feel like I'm visiting anymore. Right. <laughs> I feel like I belong. So right. you know, right. you do belong. So, Only in the sense that we don't employ you. I would love visiting surgeon. Yeah, let's talk a little yes. bit about. But that's not going to happen. But I would just, love to that's see you. The point of no, I would love to see you here full time. But we're going to talk about that in a future episode. <laughs> okay. But let's. I so I learned something today. I mm-hmm. did not know that you were in general surgery. Well. To become a vascular surgeon, there are always two tracks. One track is that you finish your medical school and you go straight to a six-year vascular surgery training program. Mm -hmm. The traditional way of doing vascular surgery for everyone, this is a newer track, about 10 years old now maybe. The traditional track for vascular surgery was every vascular surgeon did a general surgery residency and then did a fellowship of vascular surgery than to be able to be called a vascular surgeon. And all of those people are double boarded, which means I am boarded in general surgery and I'm boarded in vascular surgery. However, after becoming an attending, I decided like most vascular surgeons do, that you cannot do both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You cannot do both and do a good job at right. both. You, right. you choose yeah. one or the other because well, they're both busy. general is already a more generalist type of practice, right? So right. if you're trying lot. to, th- I mean, that's a, lot, a lot in and of itself. Yeah. And then to have a very complexity of mm-hmm. vascular doing mm-hmm. both of those, I mean, you'd have to be like two people. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I just decided to stay yeah. only in vascular surgery. Like if I see somebody who needs general surgery... I call one of my general surgery colleagues and you mm-hmm. know, sure. they do it all the time. They do a much better job than sure. I would ever be able to do with general surgery. Now, I would be remiss also if we didn't recognize your success is driven by the fact that you have an amazing family. Oh, yeah. And uh, can you talk a little bit? About, I mean, I think, you know, as your wife listens to this, it's going to be very important to say thanks, dear. But uh, <laughs> why don't why don't I give you a plug in here to talk a little bit about your wife, who I know is a psychiatrist. Yes, my wife is a psychiatrist. So 
So your kids are all brilliant too, then? No, they're smart. They're brilliant. Well, they're kids, right? There, I got three boys. And <laughs> One's in one, college. Uh, one first year. Yeah. So, coming up. So let me take a step back. Sure. Right. So right now we live in Portage, like I told you, in the same house we've been for ten years. So when you say family, in my house, it's myself, my wife Sadia. We have three boys, eighteen, thirteen, and eleven. Mm. The oldest is going to Michigan this year. Uh, in two weeks, actually. Yeah. And my other two are in middle school. Yeah. However, in my house, my parents live with us. Right. Mm-hmm. And Sadia's mother lives with us. Right. So we have a full house. Full house. We have a full family. Been and, there, done it. And, and I think that is what, when you have a good, full, supportive family, yes. that is what keeps you grounded. Generational mm-hmm. living Gen- is so, so important. Absolutely. Under, underrated. It is. I would say. You know, we, we grew up uh, the same way. Uh, you know, fostering the tenets of you need to take care of your family. Um, really didn't understand that until I got into my late 30s uh, when I started taking care of my parents. But when we moved my mother in with me, uh, us, uh, it was an amazing time. The interaction between my children and my mother for that institutional knowledge of living and life and all of those things mm-hmm. are just so important. And, and you know, the lessons that she could teach them that they wouldn't listen to me about uh, was even more important. And we have others, you know, a good friend here, Dr. Sinisco, OBGYN, moved his parents in. And same thing, generational living as we, it, you can't beat it. There's no substitute for there it. There isn't. I, and I think the children have to be spoiled by their grandparents. All Absolutely. The time. We, we Our as job is can not do to do it. Yeah. Our job is not to. All right. So let's Will talk. somebody about, tell my husband that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you're you're going to experience it. Yeah. It, there'll be a time when you get two that it's going to be the grandchildren or the grandparents' time to spoil them. Well, you know, Dr. Alam, let's talk a little bit about, and we ask a question of each of our guests on every podcast, and it's the why. All right. And it's a simple question. Um, what motivates Dr. Alam, what gets you up out of the bed in the morning to do what you do all day long? And when I say all day long, for our listeners, you have to understand this guy is the Energizer Bunny. He's up early to bed late because he's always engaged in surgeries, office time throughout a tri-county area. So he is extremely busy. So what motivates a guy like that? What is your why? You know, that's a, <clears throat> it's actually a very simple question to answer, but it's difficult to understand. Okay. And you and I have talked about it multiple times. It's God's work. It is. You have to understand that I feel every single day that I am blessed that I can potentially take care of someone who's in pain. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at all your patients as you look at your family, mm-hmm. as you look at human beings, and that's the motivator. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. I mean, because vascular surgery generally, they're very difficult operations. Most of them are. Mm-hmm. They're very difficult problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outcomes are always not exactly what you want. This is not mm-hmm. like a simple gallbladder or hernia surgery. But we do it, we get motivated by it because we feel that we can actually help these people who are at a state of their life or at a state of their disease where without our presence, mm-hmm. their problems will never get better. Right. Mm. So it's a, it really, you know, when you think about it, it's a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. And that is my why. I don't think I've ever known you to have a bad day. I think when you're taking care of patients, you've set the bar uh, that I've just really appreciated, which is uh, no matter the situation, the outcome, as difficult as the case is, uh, positive attitude, 
Um, and that really is just so reflective of your life, just positivity. Just And even I faced, you and I faced some tough times oh, with situations together. Mm-hmm. And you just, you're like, it's fine. It'll be fine. It'll go away. We move on. And that's an amazing attitude to have. And so I, I, I want to commend you uh, for you. having that attitude and for bringing that here to Hillsdale Hospital. Well, thank you very much. I think uh, it primarily comes, well, the right attitude is the most important thing anybody can ever have That's right. for anything. Yeah. But I think things become even more positive when you see uh, team members in the hospital who have never done something, but they are so eager to learn. They're always present. Mm-hmm. They're always available. They're mm-hmm. always willing to work hard, going the extra mile, going out of their way. That just creates a an environment where all you can do is excel. That's right. You know, if you if you're not excelling, then yeah. you're then you're not doing justice yeah. to everybody else who's putting in time and effort. True. True. Well, thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. That was like everything we need. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's pretty close. So that was pretty good. Yeah. As JJ always likes to say, we can close in prayer right there, right? Um, so Dr. Alam, let's get kind of a high level overview of vascular care. It's highly specialized, even when you're not doing surgery, but especially in the OR. So what comprises vascular care and what makes it so complex? And maybe you don't see it as complex, but the rest of us do. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a very good question for the community in general to understand that what do all this mambo-jambo, what does this mean, mm-hmm. right? So I, I will divide it into simple things. I, I will try to divide it into simple terms. So we you start from the head and go down to the toes, right? So the first thing is stroke prevention, right? Mm. As the population ages, stroke is a big cause of mortality, mm-hmm. in, not only in this country, all over the world. So vascular surgery is the only actually specialty that works with stroke prevention apart from cardiology. How do mm. we do it? Mm-hmm. Carotid arteries, the arteries in the neck are sometimes called the arteries of stroke as they start getting diseased, which means that they start getting tight, they start getting hardened, the size of the lumen that carries the blood decreases, that is when chances of stroke get higher. So vascular surgeons keep an eye on it with ultrasound every year, and when surgery is required, when it gets to a certain level of blockage, you do surgery, and that surgery is generally preventative of a stroke. So that is number one. The second thing we do is aneurysm care. Aneurysm is uh, ballooning of any blood vessel in the artery, in the in the body. I'm sorry. Most commonly, the blood vessels that balloon are arteries, which carry blood from the heart to all organs of the body. The most common aneurysm is in the abdominal aorta, which is the largest blood vessel of the body. The aneurysm mostly runs between, like I say, the kidney and the belly button area is where the aneurysm usually is. And that is a big part of vascular care. We find the aneurysms. Sometimes they're found by primary care doctors. Sometimes they're found accidentally by CT scans then for other reasons. And then when they meet a certain size criteria, uh, we fix them. Once the aneurysm is fixed, the chances of a person having a problem for those from that aneurysm decreases significantly, almost to zero. We cannot say zero in medicine. That's why I don't say zero, but mm-hmm. almost to zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third part of vascular surgery 
is taking care of what is called atherosclerotic disease. Some people also call it peripheral vascular disease. Some people call it peripheral arterial disease. So you will hear the terms PAD, PVD, mm-hmm, yeah. atherosclerosis. So now that is a disease that has four stages, for lack of a better term. Stage one is uh, you have no problems, but you just have your arteries have disease. Stage two would be what is called claudication, which means you have pain with walking or exertion. Mm. Stage three would be pain sitting at rest. And this we're talking about pain in the legs and feet. And stage four would be ulceration or having small sores, which then has could be a small ulcer and that goes all the way up to gangrene. And gangrene is when people start losing toes and legs. And mm-hmm. we uh, exist as vascular surgeons to make sure that as many as possible people don't lose legs. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes it's inevitable. You know, it's sometimes the disease process is too far gone mm-hmm. and amputation is then a life-saving surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why people have amputations. Um, but so that is the scope of our care that we do in vascular surgery. Um, also, there's another part of vascular surgery, which is taking care of patients who are going to be on dialysis. Mm. So the vascular surgeons create the AV fistulas and grafts that are used for dialysis access. And not only create them, we manage them as well. Because um, if you think about it, all dialysis patients can be hooked up to a dialysis machine for their entire life. All of them have complications with their dialysis access. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is when dialysis ends up stopping. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that is also a big part of what vascular surgery is all about. You know, uh, the relationship that... so, So... some people are scared to go um, to a vascular surgeon because some people do associate it with amputation. Uh, and we've heard that before. And, um, but, you know, you've shared with me once the, the value of, you know, just the volume of number of people that smoke. And, and d- the percentages were high. Uh, of an individual that smokes is going to require some type of vascular intervention or consult. And that, and that number just blew me away because it was like, what'd you call it? One in 10 or a one in where you smoke one pack over so many years, or I can't remember what it was, but there was some, some type of formula, right? So there's a couple of things. Um, So what you and I discussed was primarily about aneurysms. Mm. If you have smoked one pack of cigarettes in your life, like 20 cigarettes, then Medicare allows you to have an ultrasound of your aorta okay. at 65 to see if you have an aneurysm. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. However, coming back to smoking and peripheral arterial disease, mm-hmm. basically there are four things that result in peripheral arterial disease, right? It is cholesterol, diabetes, smoking, and kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Of these, the worst is kidney failure. So let's just keep that on one side. Smoking is the only thing that can be changed in a in a person's life to make the peripheral arterial disease problem better. Better. And I have seen people who came into the office with pain in their legs with walking. I urged them to stop smoking. They somehow are able to stop smoking and the pain goes away. Wow. Yeah. Their walking distance increases. So that is it's very important to understand that for active smokers who have every we have any type of problem in their legs they need to seek consultation yeah. 
as early as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you you came to rule Hillsdale, uh, and it is absolutely rule. Okay, and this is rural health rising. The focus is to encourage those around the country to engage in services like we have, to tell hospitals like ours that you can be the little engine that could. You you can form these type of relationships. I want you to explain to our listeners, listening outside the state of Michigan, maybe in remote places that are considering mm-hmm. vascular surgery. Hospital administrators. Yes, absolutely. Providers. Walk us through your experience of of coming to Hillsdale. I would say, maybe I'm wrong, but I would submit that this is one of the ruralist communities that you've maybe been to. Talk about that experience and then talk about your onboarding at a rural hospital. And maybe, don't be afraid, talk about how it compares to big systems. Okay. So I think you guys know this about me. I'm not scared when I'm talking. Sometimes no, I talk too much, but <laughs> uh, you know. You're in good company You're here. You're in great but, company. But I'll, I'll tell you guys my experience and I will share what my conclusions from that experience is, right? Okay. Uh, it, it happened to me and I think to Hillsdale Hospital as well. Almost it started like an accident. It was an unplanned mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. But when it happened, right. I think all parties involved understood that this is an important uh, thing that happened to all of us and we right. need to make the most an of it. An opportunity. So the, the way this opportunity worked out was a doctor from this community uh, sent me a patient uh, for vascular care. I had never seen her name before. Um, I saw the patient and the patient needed surgery. Mm -hmm. And as is my experience and as is my practice, since I did not know the doctor's name, I picked up the phone, I Googled it, and I called the number that Google showed up. Yeah. Uh, To my surprise, it was the office number and the doctor picked up the phone. Yeah, herself. Herself. (laughs) And uh, we started talking and we hit it off. And I told her that this is what I'm going to be doing with this patient. And she was very happy that the patient will be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then she invited me to come visit. Uh, You know, a couple of weeks later, I came to visit her office. And uh, when I came, uh, she said, all right, why don't we just walk to the hospital? And we walked to the hospital. Her office was very close by. And I'm sorry, her office is very close to the hospital. We yeah. came. Uh, she showed me the wound care clinic here. The people were great. She, We actually came to the CEO's office as well, but the CEO was missing in action, <laughs> was not in the office in the middle of the day, I might add. Because uh, so, he was busy forming relationships to save his hospital. Well, but, go ahead. <laughs> that, that, but go ahead. But go ahead. Excuses. Excuses. But in any case, uh, so that happened. Uh, Everything worked out really well. But me meeting the doctor and and I left. Um, Maybe the next day, maybe a couple of days later, I got a very long text, which is very common from this hospital CEO. Um, It was almost like an email, not a text. But uh, it's because I got him a keyboard for his iPad. That's exactly correct. It's my fault because we have our iPads with our keyboards and we can email. For the first three months, I was so impressed that how can he type so much on the phone? And then I realized it's coming over. It's coming over a keyboard. But in any case, that that email came. um, That I'm sorry, that text came and. I responded to the text, and uh, one thing led to another. We met for dinner within a week. Yep. Uh, I met with some of the hospital leadership uh, at the dinner. Yep. The steak was good. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, we decided then, okay, let's give it a shot. And, you know, 
there is one thing which I think is the most important thing for everyone to understand who's actually trying to build this. Build a program where a rural community can get health care for any specialty. Mm-hmm. Vascular is just one example. It could be neurosurgery. It could be anything. Yeah, right. 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 You need to first be honestly trying to get it done for the population involved. It can never be about making money. It has to be about patient care. That is mm-hmm. number one. Number two, mm-hmm. which I think we had sitting at that table between the four people who were sitting mm-hmm. there, you cannot come up with small schemes to do small no. short-term plans. No. No. You need to have a good overall vision and plan of what you want to achieve in one month, six month, one year, two year, and whatever the future holds. You need to have a good concrete plan. Agree. And that does not come from one person. That comes from a team. It sure does. Now, so this is my experience, right? This We are still having stake. Oh, we are uh, having stake, and then I'm asked to apply for privileges. And when I was asked, I sent in the paperwork as fast as I could. The next um, day. As fast as anyone right, has ever returned ever. their credentialing paperwork at that the hospital. That means he has good staff. That's all I'm going to yes. say. He has good staff. Good people behind you. I don't have good staff. I have great, have great staff. Yeah, there we there go. go. I love right? it. They're, they're the people that keep me, yes. that keep us afloat. Because yes. I'm like, I spend half the time in my car. Yeah. But in any case, my we got in the paperwork. The paperwork was uh, cleared very quickly as well. And the hospital made a commit. The leadership of the hospital made a commitment to me, which was, you decide to come to our town we will get you an office. We will get you patients. We will get you to go and see our primary care doctors. And then it's up to you to build the relationships, right? If the primary care doctors don't like you, then, you know, tough luck, whatever. That's how this whole plan was set up. So this is what we did. When I walked in here, I had an office that was shown to me, and it was a very good office. I started working there. My first day in clinic, I had more than 10 patients. Uh, of which some already knew me, uh, mm-hmm. but there were new patients as well. Oh, yeah. A primary care office was very next to my office. Then uh, my first month here, actually, uh, the CEO uh, came in his car, put me in his car, and took me around and introduced me to all the providers that I could be introduced to. And uh, that was a wonderful experience. And, you know, we shook some hands and we learned some names and they, you know, everybody saw each other. And that was a wonderful experience. And then uh, within the first month, uh, I had to do an operation here. We started off slow. We did. Because we had to teach the staff of the OR what we were doing. And we had to teach the, uh, you know, post-operative care nurses, PACU nurses, I mean, and ICU nurses and floor nurses. And it's not that they don't know they're nursing. Everybody's a very good nurse there's some specific things that you need to have about my specialty, vascular surgery. Mm -hmm. So we spent time and we gave it effort and uh, we had uh, learning seminars, uh, some very professional, some very casual. But through that process, I think, I wouldn't say that everybody's all set and going great, but we are on our path to, so... And so we are on our path to building a very robust, long-term program where we will have new nursing staff come in and they will learn from the get-go 
Um, but this is where we are. We are seven, eight months in, actually six, seven months in. Mm -hmm. The first time I did surgery, we were I was personally scared of sure. doing a, a wound debridement because I was like, okay, they, they have to understand mm -hmm. slowly but surely. And now we are sitting at a point where we have done large FEMPA bypasses. We have done two endovascular aortic repairs. We have some more and some more that are going to be done in the near future. So it is a very robust program where we are doing several cases a month here. The OR staff is confident. They help out. The hospital staff is very helpful. The nurses are doing amazing. It feels like home. It's not like you're welcomed anymore. It's like it's yours, right? It's mm -hmm. like I was saying, I don't feel like a visitor anymore. It's no. like mm -hmm. uh, everybody knows me by first name. I know everybody by first name and everything works out well. Anesthesia is great. The x-ray, um, everyone wants to make this work for the people of this community. And when that is what you actually want to do, honestly, everything else falls in place. You know, uh, the other aspect is the the success of the surgeon, truly, depends on the ability for the nursing staff to be able to recover a patient. It also depends on what is that first assist in the OR doing? What is the scrub tech doing? What is the circulating nurse doing? And I want to tell you, those of you who are listening today, it sounds really easy and simple what happened, but it was not. <laughs> the amount of time that Dr. Lam personally, those little hospital did not reimburse him, personally spent meeting with our nursing staff and leadership in education mm -hmm. before each of these procedures, the whole team, Rachel, is second to none. I have never in my career only been here 14 years, but never in my career have I witnessed a physician that came in uh, who had a specialty like vascular, mm -hmm. who has said, I'm going to train your staff afterwards, because I'm a guy who believes in Ronald Reagan's statement, trust but verify. Mm -hmm. And I trust that he did a good job. But I went around and I verified with each of my staff and said, how'd that training go? Mm -hmm. I met with him after every one of his sessions and said, G give me some information. I would sample probably half. Everyone, this guy is incredible. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's kind. He's friendly. And then it's like, all right, I'm going to really find out about this guy. So I go to the <laughs> OR. I'm like, all right, he's got temper, got an attitude. You're like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. We got to find the and, problem here because so he you sounds too good said, to be true. He is the nicest, kindest teaching surgeon mm -hmm. we have ever and sorry if my other surgeons are listening maybe i'll have him teach a class but he said <laughs> they said to me that he is the most gentle uh of surgeons and the most um most i'm gonna say you know you have surgeons who are just focused on let's just do the surgery they're gonna assume that the scrub tech the surgery nurse knows what they need to do generally speaking dr alam takes it to a different level. Mm -hmm. Most engaged is what I want to say mm. in, in terms of what he's able to do. So, you know, Dr. Alam, uh, you, you are, I'm going to say this, you say you're doing God's work. I'm going to say you're a godsend. What you've been able to do for Hillsdale Hospital to ensure that our patients stay right here at my hospital, in my community, is so important. You don't have to travel to other community hospitals. You're not taking them back to Sturgis or to Coldwater or places like that. You're doing it right here. Now, if you get a complex case, 
of course, you want the appropriate level of care. But your commitment to rural health is incredible. And I want to thank you for that because that is a huge commitment. You came out here with your own financial resources, rented your own space, spent your time, energy, effort, and money to build a practice in this community. And we are indebted to you and we are grateful for the work you've done. So I want to thank you for an amazing personality that you've brought to our OR and the work that you've done to train my team. It has been phenomenal. Well, it's my pleasure, and you're very kind, and I want you to record everything you said and send it directly to my wife so, so she can hear how good I am. Well, I will try to do that, uh, but she'll get a copy of this as well. You yeah. know, our time has escaped us today, and we could spend another hour, which we will in a future episode, I'm sure, uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, some intricacies now that we get you, let's say, another year down the road uh, and to see what are we expanding in services that we're offering now. And I know you're expanding your office hours right now. You have a beautiful location uh, close to all of those specialty services out at Three Meadows. We're excited to have you out out there. Um, but, you know, we'd love to have you back. Would you be willing to do that? Of course. Absolutely. And so uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Rural Health Rising today, and we look forward to having you back again very soon. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. We're Rural Health Rising, right? It's all about rural, living in a rural community, kids going to school at a rural school, you practicing at a rural hospital. So we want to know what has been, what is one of your most memorable rural experiences or something to you that just signifies rural life? You can't talk about driving your car 120 miles an hour, but what is something <laughs> about rural life? Well, I have a patient who has not worn a shoe in about three months because they refuse to. So, because they want to walk is that in right? their yard and in their in their huh. uh, friend's yard and in their neighbor's yard, they don't want to wear a shoe. And I can yeah. try all I want, but, but you're they, not gonna get I'm it. not going to get it. And, and that's a very rural thing of yes, them to do. Yes, it is very rural. <laughs> <laughs> but there's nothing I can do about it. Want to feel the grass under their feet I, and be one snow? with nature? Well, I, have, or when snow? snow comes. I am waiting, like I said, three months. I'm waiting for the winter to, to see, see what, what, they, what do. they do. Yeah. <laughs> Keep us posted. I will. All right. Once again, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach, and you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.